We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Podcast. I'm Norman Riley, joined on the line all the way from sunny Seton Delaval by Alex Hurst to uh, discuss yesterday's 2-0 home loss to Leicester City. Um, to me, I, I wasn't there, so it looks like um, it was an, an utterly miserable day for all, all you fans who were. Um, and I felt it was one of those where I felt throughout the days I was getting updates, uh, like I did last season, whilst news of the Watford home defeat filtered through another match that I wasn't at. Um, maybe Alex, you can... You can give me a bit of perspective because uh, there is a, a kind of a feeling of doom and gloom and I'm, I'm an eternal optimist when it comes to um, Rafa's Newcastle United Football Club but uh, right now, definitely feeling down so, so mate, just tell me what, um, what, what, was the, what was the day like? Give me a, give me a summary. Well, the day started um, very well for me because it was great to see True Faith uh, back on sale in print across the city. Uh, loads of people were, were sending me texts, sending us messages on social media saying how much they enjoyed it. Uh, sending us pictures, stuff like that. So it's available for two pound fifty. Newcastle United's only print fanzine. Um, it's available across the city from the back page shop, both there and in the Metro Centre. Um, Eminem News opposite Haymarket. Stay Free Records around the corner from there, uh, next to Sergeant Pepper's Centrail, as well at Central Station. So pick it up from there, or if you're interested in getting it delivered to your door in the United Kingdom, it is um, twenty five pound for a ten issue subscription, and you'll get it posted to you. And if you're outside of the UK, then you can get a digital subscription for just £15 for the year. You get an email to you every time the um, a new issue comes out. So thanks for all the great feedback. Um, it's been made possible taking it back into print um, by the people who support us on Patreon for £5 a month. So it's it's led to a good thing. And uh, let's hope no more we've got something better to talk about in future issues because that was, that was dire yesterday. I'm still a little bit hoarse, as you can probably hear, because... You know what? You know what? I try and get behind the team, just as you do when you're there, as much as possible. And um, it, yeah, it was a, it was a really really hard hard day and a hard watch. The stadium was deserted at, at full time, and there was very little to shout about in what was a, a really a really below par performance for Newcastle United and a very worrying one, considering the. Um, Considering the teams we've faced at home and Leicester are a good side, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about about the the mismatch later on. But um, you know, we had one shot on target, which was John Joe from the halfway line, and even though it was a fantastic bit of skill, it it, it never looked like it was going to go in. Um, so yeah, really really disappointing day, and and there's no point getting too high after a win or or too low after a loss. But I'm I'm still, as I might have alluded to on last week's podcast or, or one of the patron podcasts I've said through the week. I'm really starting to worry that I can find um, three teams worse than us in this league as it is at the minute. I mean, Brighton, not Brighton, sorry, Cardiff and Huddersfield look really poor, but but Cardiff were like fighting relegation from the championship two seasons ago and, Huddles, and Huddersfield were a season before that. What's our excuse? I mean, I think... Um... I think, I mean, you look at the stats and they're, they're ridiculous. I mean, to, to be at home against Leicester, and you know what, Leicester have got quality, there's no two ways about it, but they're not um, they're not a top side. Um, and for them to have like 58% of the possession, um, you know, they had twice as many shots as we did. They had five on target, we had one. They had nine corners, we had five. 
Uh, we committed eleven fouls to their five, so though obviously that meant they had, you know, that that indicates they did have a significant amount of more, uh, more of the ball in, in, in dangerous positions. And it, and I think for me, um, when I saw the lineup yesterday, it was a, it was one of those that you know your heart sinks again when you see almost like a kind a kind of front three of, of like Atsu, um, Perez, and Hosselu, and you just think like what, what where we're gonna how we're gonna get goals today? How is it gonna happen? And obviously that's. That's what it proved to be. I mean, what, what was it for you that made the day so like the performance and the, the, so so bad? It's a tough one, um, and I'll, I'll, I'll just pick you up there quickly on Leicester. It's we're going to get on to Mike Ashley later on, I presume. Um, you look at Leicester's team. Okay, we 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 went to Leicester. Me and you, Norman. Um, you were you were released from like you know intense. Treatment at a, at a hospital to make that case because <laughs> he went very well and it was it was one of the best days one of the best days ever, and you think well what was different to April and to us now and obviously we're playing with a lot of confidence then after coming off some great results, um, we had Dwight Gale in the team, Perez was was playing very well, we had Shelby and Diomi, we had Kennedy, we had Richie, we had Yadlin, we had Lascelles, Dummett wasn't playing yesterday and, and nor was um, Lejeune, but. I'm, I kind of thought myself thinking through this after the game last night, and I'm thinking about the wrong thing here. I, I'm not, you know, I shouldn't look at Newcastle United basically putting out a worse team because of injuries and also lack of improvement. Look at what Leicester did in the summer. James Madison had a really good game yesterday. His set pieces were just fantastic. They were fucking brilliant. <laughs> his corners and his delivery into the box. Um, but he cost he cost between twenty and twenty five million pounds, and it's like Leicester have thrown James Madison into that team that we beat and the difference to their overall play was just absolutely massive and like that's what happens when you put good footballers into a team look at look at who look at our matchups yesterday and look at what Leicester had to worry about um you know you hadn't you had Modi Arme who has, has done very well for Newcastle over the past 12 months he was doing his best again yesterday I don't doubt his effort and he, he had a good header which he probably should have done better with but it was a good arriving header in the box what did he cost? Three and a half million. He's up against two and a half. Two man. and a half million. He's two up and against Didi, who cost twenty-one million. Um, it was it Pereira in midfield as well for yeah for them. He cost he cost sixteen million. I think did Leicester have a fullback against Asu yesterday, who cost another twenty million um, against Christianatu, who who couldn't get in our side in the in the championship. And it's almost like this feeling, this realization. It's like what we're doing, like. What, what you know? Because I'm, you know, you're saying why was it so bad? I think it was that realization of like we're going to go into things. I think we could have done things differently, and I think we can play much better than that. But would we have won the game? You know, really, would we have won that game if, if Leicester played well, which they did, and they didn't really get out of third gear? Could we have won that game? And I'm not so sure because, yeah, if we'd have taken the lead, if Hoslu doesn't funny about on that chance when he kind of gets played through and a normal striker would shoot and score and he kind of sees Matt Ritchie's run and thinks, oh, should I pass, should I shoot, should I pass? And then Harry Maguire makes the tackle. Even if we'd have taken the lead, we, we defended very well. We defended all right, I'll say, because we, we did get beat 2-0. But Leicester didn't create a chance in open play, um, really. In fact, it was quite... I, I text you about this, Norman. There's something quite funny happened then. Rafa was getting a bit of a grilling off BBC Leicester or BBC East Midlands or whatever it's called um, report after the match alongside Matthew Raysbeck and the reporter goes was that performance one shot on target really any good is that really acceptable like what's your thoughts on that and Rafa goes back to this reporter well how many how many chances did Leicester create from open play <laughs> and uh, and the, the report obviously has nothing to say back because the answer is zero Um but yeah, back to your original question. Yeah, I suppose it was just a deflating day because I kind of think even if we'd raised our game there, Leicester are so far ahead of us now, adding the players they've added um, and with the two lineups, even despite our injuries, I, I'm not sure we would have won the game. Um, it would have been easier to watch because we were so toothless and, and, and created so little, but, but ultimately um, we're a long way from being able to compete with Leicester. If you look at the games last season, we're 1-1, we played them at home and, and lost 3-2, and that was the podcast when I was in Singapore at the time. Me and you talked on the phone, and I just had a massive rant about our tactical inflexibility, the fact we're playing weakest piss midfield, Hayden and Marino against a decent side that were on a good run, but we were, we were 100 times closer to them last, whenever it was last December than we were yesterday. And and that's to be expected when, when you make a £22 million Profit in the transfer window in Leicester. I mean, I know Leicester sold Mares, but Leicester added 
quality all over the park. I mean, if we had another, just say that we'd broken even in the transfer window and added twenty million, added a twenty million pound creative player like James Madison, or put James Madison on our side yesterday, you might see a different result. But ultimately, it's very difficult to remain optimistic at the moment. I, I don't know how you're you're feeling about this. You said, you know, you've just said that you are eternally optimistic about Rafa's Newcastle. But how are you feeling about it right now? Oh, really, uh, really down and concerned. I mean, I, I was. I, I've got another question to ask you, kind of related to to where the the kind of the entirety of the ninety minutes itself. But um, my, as I say, my my opinion on on the match was was kind of almost like set in stone when I saw the lineup. I just thought we're not going to get anything. Like they they're better. They're just better. And uh, Rafa's tactical genius in getting with a tenth last season. Like the. The reality is that you, you can't be expected to pull like a rabbit out of the hat every single match. Um, it, it's the, the the paucity and the kind of lack of ability within the squad is going to catch up with us, and that that seems to be what's happening at the moment. And and unfortunately, we don't have like a spark in the side that can maybe um, kind of could do something in a match that that just kind of gets everyone up and gets the crowd going and maybe sneaks with a result. That that doesn't look like we don't we don't seem to have that. We don't seem to have the quality to pull out of the, the shit that we seem to be in at the moment. And that's my biggest concern is like we're on this really poor run and I can't I can't see a way out of it. You know, I can't I can't see how I can't see how given that lineup that was out there yesterday, if the lineup's the same at home against Brighton, I can't see we're getting anything because it's just a lineup that screams like um kind of uh, negativity. There's no. There's just. I can't see we create anything. I cannot see it. There. Uh, there's no. There doesn't seem to be any dynamism. There's a real confidence issue, and the confidence issue isn't going to improve by the time we play Brighton. I mean, it's, we're playing man new away, um, and that's that's what I was going to ask you. So my kind of mood pre-match on just seeing the lineup. What was it like in the stadium from from kickoff? Was there was there like a big road kickoff? Was there a, a positive vibe going in the stadium, or do you think a lot of people were just like it's not going to happen? Well, Mike Ashley was in the ground, so. The, the atmosphere was very poor yesterday, but it was a kind of you know spine tingling moment when the whole ground um, sang "Stand Up" if you hate Ashley. Um, so everyone stood up, obviously. Even some people in the director's box, which made me laugh. Um, but the first goal, mate, when the when the first or when the first goal went in, do you think there was any kind of hope that nah, would get someone out no. the game? Oh, no, nah, it, that, that it was extinguished. Nah, wasn't it was extinguished. And, and to be honest with you, we did all right before the first goal, and that's what referee clinged to. We did all right. I mean. It's it's a really tough one because you think, well, it was, was it a bit unlucky? Should Yedden have raised his hands? It, I mean, it's one of those I said to you that when you look back on match today, it'll probably look like a pen because they do it in slow motion, and you think, oh, well, he's. It, but but live, it looked really harsh. It, there wasn't. It did, I can't. I'm, I'm going from memory here, but there wasn't like a huge appeal apart from the you know the players around it. Definitely, definitely not from the Leicester bench, but um, yeah, it was it was just very flat, and it was kind of an acceptance that we're going to pass the ball about a bit. I want to talk about improvements later because I've got quite a few. But yeah, but, but, but uh, um, yeah, it was to answer your question. It was very flat. Just quickly, you know, you mentioned about Brighton. Since we we came up in the Championship, Brighton have spent about um, hundred and fifty million pounds on players. Jesus! Um, in the in the kind of the three transfer windows that they've had. Now, this, What's their net spend, so, mate? What's their net spend? According to. Um, According to transferleague.co.uk, their net spend is, let me do some maths, just 70, because a couple of undisclosed players that don't include, uh-huh. but that's, that's only on incomings, um, all of their outgoings are there, so what, you'd be looking at uh, a net spend last year of 70 million and a net spend this year of 54, so... Right, and what, and what, um, what's our net spend being made, just to oh. interest? <laughs> Oh, and I'd spend, uh, you know, if there's any young children listening, get them to cover their ears for this bit. Uh, not that I'm going to swear, and we swear all the time, so young children probably shouldn't listen to this anyway. But um, <laughs> uh, we spent 10 million last season um, and brought in 22 to so 12, 12 million pounds mm-hmm. in the two years. Um, right, and, and so and how many points did we finish ahead of Brighton in the promotion season? You're asking us a lot of questions here. I don't, I don't know the... Uh, the answers to at the top of my head. Was it one point ahead of Brighton in the promotion? It was team? one point, was it, yeah. mate. It was it was one it was one point. So Brighton have got they've spent ten times as much as us, you could say, um, since going up, and we finished a point ahead of them in the championship. So that's so, that's interesting, isn't it? More than ten times as much. <laughs> way more. Me me math isn't very good, um, <laughs> but uh, that, well, but that just tells you something. So when you have these, when you have. Um, 
This is another thing that actually, I'll tell you what, I actually was at the game yesterday and I genuinely hope that someone from New Asian Football Club listens to this podcast. Because if you're well, listening, well. Yeah, your, gaff, your gaff has a pile of shit. And I'll tell you what, mate, right? The, the thing that got me with Ashley, I was thinking about this yesterday, right? Was his smarmy shithouse commentary last season at the end of the season when he said, well, we'll finish 10th with these players. I think we need to start giving these players a bit more credit. It's like, mate, you don't realise we've finished 10th. The club have finished 10th in spite of you. Because of and it's because of Rafa and because of the collective effort of the players, yes. But why? Like, what? What makes you think you know more than about the, the ability of these footballers than, than than Rafa and the fans? That, that's what. That's what. Well, it was really winding us up yesterday when I was thinking, can can do it. You know, you just can do it. Me mind. I've got some advice. Sorry, here. make one. Some advice here. I, yeah. I was at the the fans forum um, on last Monday, which I can say nothing about because I don't. Want to jeopardise the process? Uh, there was supposed to be an article released on Tuesday about the the key points that hasn't been released, so we're all keenly awaiting the minutes. Um, and the, it was recorded; the meeting was recorded um, by someone at the club on their phone. So, you know, the, there's definite definitive proof of what was said. Uh, I can't wait till the minutes are released personally. I'm really looking forward to it. I'll say no more than that. Um, and. Yeah, if you're saying you have a problem with Mike Ashley releasing that statement, then you would not have liked to have been in this room on Monday. <laughs> That's uh, all I'll say. Uh, it's, I don't think. I yeah, but it's 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 it's. it's uh, I mean, I mean, there's no there's no surprise. It's just utterly hideous. Like the how how Brighton who have Albion can spend, as you say, more than ten times as much as us, despite the fact we finished a point ahead of them on the last day of the season with a last minute equaliser for the team playing against Brighton, yet um, be expected to compete. With a team like Brighton, it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, and uh, before I just gone off into complete rantsville and um, gone totally incoherent, I'll um, just move on to a, on another question. Um, is there anything you want to see Rafa do differently, mate? Given given the squad that we've got, do you still think there's things he could do differently? Yes, definitely. Though, like I said, well, I'll come on to it. Um, first of all, I'll, you know, I said through the week um, we do a, a we have a YouTube channel um, at. True Faith Podcast, um, and we have done two things. We do a, a weekly show called Mark Talk, which is um, a less serious ten-minute chat than this deadly serious podcast. And we also did a small <laughs> kind of um, film on the Palace away game last week. So if you're listening, and you haven't been to an away game before, you, you live outside of the UK and have not been to a match, give it a listen on the YouTube channel. I'm going to post a link to it in this podcast. Um, and yeah, we kind of tried to capture the day. Uh, in a short film for for people who haven't watched Newcastle away before, so yeah, ha- have a watch of that. But um, would I like to see Rafa do anything better? So yeah, on uh, Mark Talk, which is the weekly YouTube show that would do, uh, I said I'd, I'd like him to play Muto alongside Perez because Maguire and Morgan are big lumps who love heading the ball and really struggled, really struggled against the pace of Josh King for Bournemouth the other week. And also really struggled against Dwight Gale. And Harry Maguire should have been sent off that game. Um, and, you know, you saw Perez take advantage of lack of understanding for balls over the top. Yet we played Hosselu again. Now, Hosselu is a good header of the ball and he's a nice man. Uh, I have it on reasonable authority that, that Rafa was offered Hosselu as a player when we went down in the championship and he deemed them not good enough then. And he, I imagine he deems them not good enough now. Well, you'd hope so. Um, but 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 the the persistence on on playing him baffles me. Um, he had an absolutely dreadful game yesterday. Uh, you know he doesn't normally have great games for Newcastle, but at least he wins a lot on the air. He can hold the ball up. Um, yesterday, Maguire and the lad alongside him, whose name escapes me, who I've just said, but still Morgan, Morgan just completely dominated him. Um, he couldn't hold the ball up. He couldn't pass the ball. He gave the ball away. He gave away fouls. He gave away. It was kind of frustrating watching him give away fouls against the centre backs, without letting them know he was there. If that makes sense, there were just like nothing fouls. Mm-hmm. Like at least fucking elbow him in the head. I don't mean that like to, to injure them, but you know what I mean. You know, like, <laughs> you know, like Shear used to do, where the centre back mm-hmm. might get a foul, but Christ, he's <laughs> he, he's not going to go for the next header. As, as you know, as certainly, um, it was just none of that from Hossler. He was too nice. He's too nice to in the Premier League. And he doesn't have the ability, so I don't understand that one at all. Um, and then when Mudo came on, Shelby looked at a better player, and there was some fantastic plays played behind, and, and Mudo did really well. And you know, it, on another day, we could have got maybe something for by, by starting Mudo. And even even at Man United next week, I'd play Mudo. Um, 
I'd, I'd definitely start him. I, I just don't think Hosley brings anything to the team. I understand why we signed him. I understand that the players, the manager signed, you might not think they're good enough. And, and it really frustrates me. It was just BBC Newcastle's going home in a taxi last night after the match. And I heard a fan call, call up and said, why does Rafa sign these players and not play them? And, um, you know, I kind of don't know whether to laugh, cry, or just kind of shut myself into like a small room for 48 hours and just sleep when I hear stuff like that. Because what do you expect the manager to do? Do you expect them just to not sign any players? Do you expect them to go, well, there aren't players good enough, so we'll just sign no one and we'll just have we'll just name like two substitutes or bring lads who aren't good enough from the academy through? Because if you, if you think like that, you're thinking like Mike Ashley and you're fucked, you're part of the problem. You know, I don't blame Rafa Benitez for signing shit players because he has no money to spend. We've just gone through the figures there. Compare Chris Hooten, who's a, you know, a hero of ours, compare him and his resources to Rafa Benitez, who's done a better job. Um, you know, it's just it's just nonsensical. You know, Fabian Charlotte didn't get a game yesterday, Norman. I thought I thought Kieran Clark was dire. He he gave the ball away. He messed up easy headers and clearances. He lost Harry fucking Maguire for the goal, which is just shit. Um, so, I, you know, I, I personally, what would I like to see Shaw given a go? Because I know Clark's got not good enough for this level. But Norman, do you know the, the key thing about these two players? Fabian Shaw cost two million pound less, almost half of what Kieran Clark cost. So that so when people say why isn't he playing Shaw, well, that's probably why because he's probably not better than him. He might be, and I'd like to see him given a go. I thought he was liable for the penalty we gave away against them, um, Chelsea, and cost us the game a little bit there. Um, but you know, Clark was was really poor, and we're just playing with players. So yeah, would I like to see Rafa Benitez pick different players? Do I think would have still won the game? Probably not. So it's like. You know, it's, it's it's a hard question to answer. When um, near the end, John Joe Shelby had a free kick in an attacking position. It was 2-0 down, like half the ground had gone. Um, and uh, Sai just turned to me. Was Sai was stood next to at the match. Just He went, Lascelles back post for this. And you know what happens? The ball was played to the back post um, for Lascelles. And as me and Sai knew what was going to happen, obviously Leicester City knew what was going to happen. And he had three men on him and couldn't jump, and the ball just went out of play. Little things like that frustrate you as a fan, and you think, what the fuck's going on? Like, how are lads? But ultimately, if Newcastle had a new funky set-piece routine, or if Muto starts ahead of um, Hosselu, or Shaw played ahead of Kieran Clark, do I think would have won the game? No. So I think I think all of the players can do better. There was a togetherness, and a, I didn't see a lack of effort yesterday, but there was definitely a lack of belief. Um, that's what happens when you lose lots of football matches, and don't take the lead because we haven't taken the lead this season. Um, but ultimately, the, the most concerning thing for me is that I'm I'm not sure it can get any better with this group. Oh, that's uh, that's uh, that's as bleak as the uh, weather outside my window right now, mate. Absolutely great and grim. Um, the, I think you know what for for me this tie you mentioned there, like the lack of belief. Um, and this. Ties into a kind of point that I think we brought up on numerous occasions last season was that the you look at the you look at the kind of the squad and like, I think I think that we're lacking leaders in situations like this like on on pitch leaders there isn't like the there isn't anyone who I think has got the kind of ability to just inspire and rally others um I think because because they're relatively because they're quite young still and especially in Premier League terms in in the sense of the the kind of amount of games they've played um but also their personalities as well I don't. I think that the, I think that the heads go down. Like, I think that the kind of players who head, whose heads are really affected by a few defeats. Um, and at the minute, the, the one of the fears for me is that I just I cannot see anyone in that squad of players being able to just drag the rest of the players up with them. Um, I, I just cannot see it. Um, I, I don't know what you what you think at that point, mate. Well, Kennedy has the ability, but it, it, he hasn't shown. He has the ability, yeah. but he, he has the ability. Yeah, but I'm talking about somebody who's like a, a real kind of talismanic figure and voice on the pitch you, you know would, like when you yeah you'd think the cells would be that player but I, I, you have to try and well i try and think of the, the the players and how they would feel and you know me and you you played football 11 aside norman didn't you for a long time and, and i've played football 11 aside and I, until my recent injury played a lot of five aside and you know you know what you got you, you're coming up against right you know who you're playing against and although all these players have a lot of self-belief because they're Premier League footballers they know that if Leicester score first, that they, they just do. I mean, if if you're Matt Ritchie, you know that Hosley was not going to link up with you. If you're Iose Perez, mm. you know that the amount of forward passes you're going to receive in the final third is is minimal. Um, 
you know, if you if you Martin Dubravka, you you kind of know that um, once you concede the first goal, that's the the game's over, and that like yeah, the players have to do better, and the players can't think like the, me a fan. But if you know Norman, if me and you and everyone listening knows that as soon as we, we go one nil down, that's it, then the players definitely know, and it's just so hard now. Just to try and be a little bit more positive, you know, we still haven't played like a bread and butter fixture, which is a bottom ten side at home. Leicester will be top eight this year. I'm certain of it. I think they're a good team. I thought they were. You know, I thought some of the the, the one touch passing in midfield and tight areas yesterday was embarrassing to watch because it's not it, like our our lads just can't replicate that. They're just not good enough. Um, you look at the likes of Ian Acho and Madison coming deep to pick the ball up and, and causing chaos, and which we just don't have the players to counter that. I thought Ian Acho is a really, really good player. Actually, his touch is fantastic, his vision's good. Um, he's almost definitely like you know. I know he, he kind of plays up front alongside Vardy or just behind him, but he, he is almost like a number ten, like Madison. Um, and, and we defended really well against Vardy yesterday. You've got to give a lot of credit to, to particularly the cells. Um, because Vardy hardly got a kick, and they were made, they were part, the, all the balls were good, all the runs were good, but Lascelles took care of him. So we've, we've got him, we we'll box that off. But it was the rest of the team that we weren't able to cope with their movement, and and our lads just aren't good enough. Now, yeah, we'll, we'll play. You know, maybe you listen to this and you think, well, last season we didn't have this problem, and well, last season we were, were poor in, in in large large parts, and then we were very good when it mattered. Now we haven't reached that when it matters points, but it's going to come pretty soon. And, and as you mentioned, when that Brighton game is absolutely massive. But I hear people saying, "I wish you know." We got a tweet today saying, "I wish I wish Rafa would would have a go a bit more, and you know, it would be it would be better to watch." Well, Pardew used to have a go, and we got used to get beat three four nil regularly at home, and it didn't feel any better. Norman, I don't know whether you agree or disagree, but I, I don't feel it felt any better. I agree. Just, I agree. Just getting hammered. Now Brighton's a different story because we need to win that game we need to win yesterday really we need to win that game we'll probably lose at Man United next week and that's just that's just because of who we're coming up against I know we beat them last season I'm going to the match so it's not like I'm trying to be negative I'm going to spend my time and money going to watch it but I think we'll lose at Man United next week because it's Man United even though they're in poor form um, and by the time we'll play Brighton we could be four or six points adrift already if the teams immediately above us win their games next week so it, it, it's going to be a massive game and we're going to have to attack them because the alternative is no good. I mean, there was a bit of a, a realisation yesterday Normal one went 1-0 down um, to Leicester. If we were to go 1-0 down to Brighton, then, yeah, the shit would hit the fan. Uh, no, no I, could, I couldn't agree more with you, mate. I mean, I think... Um I think obviously at the minute you've got a lot of a lot of, well, a lot of voices on social media saying that, you know, Rafa should have done this, Rafa should do that. Um at the minute, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, he's he's working with a with a big blunt, shitty, rusty tools that he might have um, at his disposal. Um, and I, for me, I, I'm still not at the point where I'm apportioning blame to Rafa for us losing two 0 at home to Leicester City. I mean, to me, it's still down to make Ashley's long term um, treatment of the club, and it's as simple as that. I don't know what your what your take is. I mean, do you hold? Do you hold Rafa responsible at all for this kind of start of the season, or do you just think it's a it's an Ashley issue because the the investment just hasn't been there basically? It's it well yeah I absolutely blame Mike Ashley one hundred percent which we're going to come on to um but just just on Rafa quickly um we have played well I thought we played well against Chelsea I thought we played well against Man City and I thought we played well, very well Spurs. against Spurs um mm. so it's not it's not like it's all been bad but there's so little positivity there's so little for fans. To cling to like no, no one is enjoying this season like you're not enjoying it I'm not enjoying it if you listen to it you're not enjoying it if you're Rafa you're not enjoying it if you're Matt Ritchie you're not enjoying it like no one can be enjoying this season like the, the only person in the ground yesterday smiling was Mike Ashley <laughs> like the only person with a massive fucking grin on his face um, every, you know everyone else can see what, what's happening but just, just quickly as well in terms of Rafa I mean there was a Telegraph headline fans turn on Rafa Benitez as Leicester when he's leading Newcastle Matt Ritchie, the substitution was booed off. I've I've no idea why that substitution was booed. Um, Ritchie was really poor and ineffective. Um, Atsu did didn't didn't do much better, but he won a couple of corners, and you could have taken either of them off. Um, and obviously he's brought Jacob Murphy on his preferred right hand side, which is probably why why Ritchie went off. Um, I just think it's pathetic. You know, but, you know, look at the problems that we've got in taking a player who tries hard but ultimately you know. Added very little in an attacking sense, and I think he's a good player, and he would start on my team every week, Matt Ritchie. But uh, you know, if you're going to boo a substitution at, at home, it's just you know, 
I, I can't see the, the the merit of doing that. Um, what what kind of did frustrate me? What I would be was was when this, these are the little things that annoy fans. When Perez got subbed off, Norman, you probably didn't know this, but it was the slowest, most pathetic jog I've seen, and I don't know what the fuck he was playing at. Run off the pitch and just get off. You know, you've had a poor game. Um, for whatever reason, there's no need to take that long to get off. But, I mean, that's neither here nor there. It, it's inconsequential, but the little things like that just piss you off, particularly when you get beat. Um, to answer your original question, I really question the decision to let Dwight Gale go for Solomon Rondon. Um, I got a great start sent to me earlier from Craig Thompson, Norman. Here's, the, here's one for you. No on-loan on striker has ever scored for Newcastle in the Premier League, and there have been a few. So that's promising. Jesus. That's promising. And Rondon played really well at Man City. He played well when he came on against Forest, but that's it. That's it. And we've already lost him. We didn't have him at the start of the season. We've lost him for injury. He hasn't been fit. Um, Dwight Gale is scoring for fun for West Brom. At least when Dwight Gale played for us, Perez played better. Um, the space created by Gale's runs, Perez was able to drop into that space and do very well and and receive the ball in, in the areas of the pitch. You know, I've said it for a long time, Isaac Perez is a waste of space outside the box, basically, um, or, or outside the final third. If he picks the ball up in midfield, he's, he's no good. He takes too long, he takes too many touches, he gets dispossessed easily, he complains to the referee for a foul. That's just, he's always been like that, and he always will. But he's a good Premier League footballer when he receives the ball in and around the penalty area, and that's just not happening at the minute. I mean, I thought, I thought he could have had a penalty yesterday, maybe. I thought... When I saw it live, it's one of them where you're thinking, uh, nah, we'll go nuts, obviously, shouting for a pen, but then, you, you know, me and Sai were like, nah. I saw it on TV. Perez knocks the ball past Maguire, who has no intention of moving, and, and Maguire's arm, arm comes across him. But I thought the referee was pathetic yesterday, though it had no, no bearing on the result, really. Um, there, was a, there was a point, I'm getting a bit off topic here, Norman, um, but there was, a point, <laughs> there was a point where we were building up a little bit of momentum at 1-0, and we had a throw-in deep in our in their half towards the Gallagher. And we, for us, uh, like a minor miracle happened and we took a quick throw in. Um, the referee stopped the game so that a Leicester player could get back on his feet. And is that like what? That's, Shit that's not the game. That's just the referee being useless and biased towards the other team. But as I said, it had no bearing on the result. It was It's just an observation. But yeah, um, Mike Ashley, um, yes, he's he's killed. Where I'm, I'm in the process of writing an article for a website who've, who've asked me to do it and it's on Mike Ashley, and it's in his time at Newcastle United. And I think I've I think I've done like four thousand words, like two thousand too many, because there's just so much bullshit to fit in. It's hard to know what to filter out. I mean, I'd forgotten Norman. Just a quick one on Mike Ashley. I'd forgotten that the day we got relegated against Villa, he released a statement saying that bringing my bringing Alan Shearer back to the football club was his greatest ever decision. Didn't speak to him ever again. Yeah. Didn't speak to him ever again. I know. It's like. Um, so he's a coward, isn't he? Yeah. Like that's a, he's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a, like almost like yesterday. You can see, oh well, he can't be cowardly because he went in, he faced the wrath of the fans, but he kind of laughed as like like some sort of like sick, twisted, um, sadomasochistic Roman emperor. Um, but when it comes to people like Keegan and Shearer and Rafa, like when he's not surrounded, you know, if it was a case of sitting in an office with him, he's an absolute coward. He wouldn't face up to them because he's a pathetic, spineless coward. Basically, there was a brilliant. Facebook post on the True Faith Facebook page by I think Mark Glendening, who put basically Mike Ashley is Britain's biggest benefits receivant because he's built a business empire on low paid staff who require state support in terms of uh-huh. you know, top ups and top ups tax yeah. credits and stuff like that to build his business empire. Um I, th- I think that's a very good point made by Mark. Yeah, um, no, he did, he, so everyone just keeps talking about this brilliant businessman. What we haven't seen a brilliant businessman in for all the pain the relegations have caused. The most frustrating thing about Mike Ashley's Newcastle United is the two massive missed opportunities that we've seen. Uh, the first one being after we finished fifth and we, we bought uh, a player that wasn't good enough to get in the first team and no one else um, in Vernon and Nita. And then this year when when we haven't we haven't signed the players that were required to to match the spending around us, Wolves and Fulham. Fortunes spent, hundred mm-hmm. million. Fulham spent. Um, right. West Ham, eighty million net spend. Like we're, we're just, we're just, we're just Newcastle United, and we're shit. And it's always, it's always going to be like this under Mike Ashley. It is not going to change. 
Um, well, that that takes me on, mate. Actually, that well, that, that that'll take that takes me on to the next question. Um, it's never going to change um, as long as Mike Ashley's here and Mike Ashley's here for a long time. In my eyes, um, despite the obvious Kenyan rumours doing the rounds, um, my my opinion um, before you, you give your your more eloquent one is that um, I think it's absolute horseshit. Um, I think the fact that Kenyans stuck it out in the press already. I can't, I can't get my head round that. Um, apparently, Ashley doesn't like things to be out in the open when he's doing business. Um, I mean, again, you know, you see, it, that that means nothing. If it comes out the mouth of Mike, Ashley, it doesn't mean anything in any ways. Um, the the fact that there's a four hundred million price tag in the club, it's overpriced at that much. Um, and Kenyon putting the putting the rumours into the mainstream press for me just smacks of someone. It smacks of opportunism um, as opposed to any substance. But maybe I'm being negative, mate. You, you let me know what you think. Um, yeah, first of all, I just need to plug the event we've got. I mean, we've sold nearly 140 tickets, which is fantastic. And there's still a w- more than a week, well over a week to go. So have a look at the link on our social media, at the True Faith website, and in the description of this podcast. It's a True Faith Supporters Forum, how to take the fight to Mike Ashley, because we need to start listening to the people who've done it before. David Connor's going to be there, who's followed Mike Ashley's career um, in business and in football for a long, long time. Um uh, Sons of Struth from Rangers, who um, at the moment seem to be doing a better job of, of protesting Mike Ashley than than the overall support of Newcastle United will be there. Uh, Spirit of Shankly, who took the fight to Liverpool owners, will be there. So come down, ask these people questions, find out what you want to know. Tickets available, ten pounds plus post plus a, a booking fee. The booking fee goes to Eventbrite, the website, and all of the ten pounds goes to the food bank. So you're doing something nice for a good cause as well. Um, Kenyon, right, yeah, I, I disagree slightly with you, but come to the same conclusion. So you say Kenyon has potentially re- released this to the media, but um, and that won't make Ashley happy. Normally, if you were going to leak this to the media, like one paper would have it, like, you know, like the Mirror might have it, or the Times might have it, Peter Kenyon wants to buy Newcastle United. It was in every single newspaper. It was in the Express, and I, I, I just don't know. You've got to look at Keith Bishop for this one. It's almost to the day, to the day, <laughs> that the rumours about Amanda Staveley came out last season. Um, and, you know, people are now talking about January. Will we not spend in January because of the takeover? That's laughable. We, we did not spend in January because of the takeover. We did not spend in the summer because of the... T- you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's the club's own money, for fuck's sake. Like, what the fuck's a takeover got to do with this? Um... So that's laughable. Um, yeah, I, I don't believe any deal will be done until you hear about it, basically. Peter Kenyon doesn't have any money. Well, I'm sure he's far wealthier than me, than you or I, Norman, but he, he doesn't have 300 million quid, so it's going to be investors, and if, if it's gone public, if it is Peter Kenyon, I imagine it. It's so he hope, hopes the phone rings and someone says, I have, I've got the money. <laughs> How much will I make back if I lend it to you? Um, et cetera, et cetera. So... You know, Peter Kenyon has a a little bit of a... I mean, he was at Man United, wasn't he? Then he was at uh, Chelsea, despite proclaiming himself as a, a lifelong Manchester United supporter. Um, and he was, you know, I, I think he was implicated in the tapping up of Ashley Cole. Um, you know, there aren't loads <laughs> of really positive things. That, not that I care. Like, you know, some people, some apologists for Mike Ashley say, well, who would you want to take over for Mike Ashley? Honest answer, could not give a fuck. Couldn't care. Don't care who takes it. I'd rather um, I'd rather that um, all of the kind of millions that Robert Mugabe's um, filtered away from Zimbabwe. I'd rather I'd rather Mugabe took over. I'd rather Mugabe in charge and Ashley at the minute. That's my my whole moral compass has come gone at the fucking window because I detest Mike Ashley that much. I'm prepared. So Robert, if you or Robert any of Robert's people are listening. Um, then you fancy investing in a football club in the northeast of England? <laughs> now that you're retired from politics, please do um, get in touch with True Faith. We can we can we can set up some meetings with local journalists for you. Yeah, it would be a consortium, wouldn't it? True Faith would own no point, <laughs> not 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 one percent. Um, though it'd be hilarious, though. I'm just I'm just you know getting into fantasy land. It would be great if Ashley sold the club and accidentally accepted Zimbabwean dollars. Um, well, three hundred <laughs> million Zimbabwean dollars worth about fifty pence. Um, well, yeah, unlikely. Unlikely. I think we're getting a bit off topic. But yeah, Norman, you've been well, we, critical of Mike Ash on the podcast before. Where, where does this this wasted opportunity in this summer rank for you in, in all of his misdemeanors? The, the, this is the this is the worst. Um, the the fifth place finish, I think, uh, on Minute Mag on Friday night, where we alluded to it briefly. <laughs> that fifth the, the fifth place finish for me. It, 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 I, 
I, I use the word look, and I never meant look in the, in the sense that you know some of the performances are fantastic. We had great players, but I meant look in the sense that it wasn't it wasn't a kind of part of any strategy. There is no way that Mike actually planned to finish fifth that season. It was a complete anomaly. It would have come as a shock to him. And even though we finished fifth. He would never have any. He would never have had any intention of building on that, regardless. Even if we got in the Champions League, it wouldn't. I don't even think he would have built on it. Um, so that we still had Pardew as manager, and I still think the model was was there for all to see. Um, this is the worst because I think it's just it's the treatment of like the, this manager we've got, world class manager. Mike Ashley's never going to have a better manager at Newcastle United. There's no reason it's not going to happen. Is it? Like, and, and it's not even like he's been our best manager by a little bit. It's been by an absolute gigantic... Obviously, you can put... If you take Keegan out of the equation, because Keegan was there for such a little amount of time and his treatment was absolutely disgusting. Um, this, this ranks this ranks as... I know you know I've thought of Keegan. Is this worse than how he treated Keegan? As an individual, no. Um, as an opportunity, yes. He's absolutely and utterly blown. A brilliant opportunity. And if he'd released like 50, 60 million... Would be, we could be talking about finishing eighth, you know what I mean? And that, that's like a massive progress, it's stability, it's more money for Ashley, and it's just better all around. But I mean, it's huge, and, um, and I, can't, I, I can't even verbalize my um, disdain for this, um, this pathetic specimen. Well, you've done a pretty good job of verbalizing, actually, I think. But um, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, so, it's so grim at the minute, and um, you know, protests continue. And that's a good thing because there's there's no you know Ashley's notoriously thin skinned, um, it it does get to him. So congratulations to everybody who's taken part of that. Keep it going, um, but yeah, you know I can't say too much more on him because it's it's just so obvious now. Where where the team back to the team in this season where we go from here is a really tough one because what is that? I've played seven games, two points. Um, we're gonna have. A, it's going to be eight games, yeah, two points. I mean, games. it is going to be, it's going eight, to be eight, eight games, two points. Two points unless, unless we, yeah, a miracle happens. Um, and and you, you look at the bottom three now, and I'm, I'm severely worried we'll have a Premier League season where the, bo- the bottom three is just the bottom three and they're massively cut off. And I, I think Fulham are mm. a, a poor side. I think they create a lot of chances, but they, they also concede a lot of chances. They're kind of the antithesis of us. Um, I think Fulham could get sucked into it. Um, and, you know, they, they had a really poor defeat yesterday and Evan Mr. Penn as well what's the difference though mate what's the difference between Fulham and us what would be, what's going to be the difference yeah, in December and January Fulham will, will most likely invest in January um, exactly on, on, on quality and you know we brought in Dubravka uh, Kennedy and Slamani last season very late in the window of course um, and it, they were all gambles you know Dubravka turned out like he did the, the club had no idea when they sanctioned that Kennedy was a massive gamble. He'd had a terrible loan spell at Watford. They had no idea it would work out, and Slamani didn't work out. So even if we, even if we spend money in January, it won't be on the type of players. Like it won't be a John Joe Shelby and Andros Townsend, for example. Yeah. Which is what we did last time. Didn't keep up, but they're, they're very good players. Um, and I, or even or even a, or even a Musa Sissoko and a Matthew Debushi, mate. Yeah, you know exactly. what I mean? Perfectly put. They won't be, be players of that caliber. They will be. Fabian Schurz, um and the like, um, and yeah, I mean it's basically unless Rafa plays Mudo and this magical thing that I've got in my head, which probably won't work in terms of it being like when Gail played for us last season, that doesn't work. It's 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 Rondon or bust, isn't it? Um, and that's a mm-hmm. scary position to be in when he's a, an on loan striker um, and he keeps getting injured. He's only played ninety minutes once this season, and that was for Venezuela. And then he's not he's hardly kicked the ball for us since. Um, so yeah, plenty, plenty to be down about. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, on, on, on. Sorry, mate. I was going to say on those, on those bleak, on, on that bleak note. Um, I could, we could finish off with a, with a nice, a nice little question on, um, on your madness of uh, your mad decision of going to Old Trafford. I mean, what, like, genuinely, mate. Is there any hope in terms of football? Is it just I'm going to Manchester? It's a cracking city. I'm with me, mates. I'm just going to enjoy that. Yeah, well, I've, me and the lads are actually going to see abandoned Manchester the night before. That I really like, so that's that's probably the main driving force behind it. Um, uh, well, I'll always while Rafa is at the club, I'll support Newcastle United. I've I've kind of made peace with the fact now when we did the if Rafa goes to we to go podcast between us at the start of the season, I was still well. I just stop going to away games. Will we stop just doing the podcast? Now I'm I I can't after sitting in the room on Monday, I can't do it anymore. I can't. I couldn't go. If if, if Ashley stays and Rafa goes, I'll not. Everything will stop. This podcast will stop. Um, I'll stop going to the match. It'll not be part of my life anymore. 
Um, so I may as well take the chance to support the team while I can. Um, enjoy, like you say, enjoy. Good, I can't drink at the minute, but it's hot me driving. But uh, it'll still be a good day with some good people. Um, you know, at, at the football support Newcastle. And you, and you, you know what? You never know. I went to Old Trafford in 2013, um, and I, I didn't think Newcastle. Even we had, a, we had a far superior team. That that team in 2013. Even if even if you put them in a team now, like like four year, five years on. <laughs> Like Remy, Remy. I'll take Remy, Remy now, mate. Kabai, I'll take Luke Remy now. Sissoko, Gufran, um, Anita. Uh, I, I still think that that team would beat us now. Um, uh, but that team, even at the time, and we won 1 0. And I, I had a ticket for that, and I'd watched England get hammered in Adelaide in 12 13 ashes. And I wasn't going to go because I'd been up all night and I had to drive there and back. And my mate convinced me to go. And, and we won and we won 1 0. So, like, anything's possible. That's football at the end of the day. And normally, to be a little bit more positive after this sea of negativity. We win one game and everything can change. Like, you know, it was the same last season, particularly after the, the Leicester and Everton defeat. Every, you know, a lot of people were like, we're down. We are getting relegated. And in the end, we're nowhere near. Um, so, things can change. We'll have a world class manager and we'll have some good players. Um, and we might get a, a little bit of luck that we haven't been having. Um, so you know, it just it just takes one game and things can turn around. And and all of a sudden we're, we're sat here like we normally do, you and I, Norman, buzzing and full of positivity for the season ahead. But I'm I'm struggling at the minute. And that that Brighton game's just a bit. It's a little bit scary. It's a little bit like how big that game is. And you know, after we play Man United, Norman, we don't play a top six side until Liverpool on Boxing Day. So it's kind of like. Um, you know, the whole of half of October, the whole of November and December, pretty much, where we don't play sides like like you know Manchester United, Chelsea, Liverpool, Arsenal, but but Leicester are aren't really anywhere close to them, and and they looked a cut above us yesterday. So it's a, it's a tough one. It's a tough one for me. I don't know. Yeah. Do you get? Do you give us any chance in Manchester? Oh no, no whatsoever. Um, the uh, what I what I hope for is a is a kind of a spirited back to the wall performance and um you know not like a not a slaughtering like last season I thought we played brilliant for 30 minutes me and you were there we were, we were fantastic um, but then man was power and class obviously outed and uh, that that was the end that was that but I'd like you know even even like a, a 2-1 even this is as horrific as it is to say this even a 2-1 defeat where we've at least given them a game for a good part of the match and you know the, the players have kind of come off the pitch thinking you know what that's what we can do. We can do that. We've just got to kind of focus on on that positive. That will be that will be that be great for me to take into the Brighton match. Um, because as you say, it's it's a seismic match, isn't it? Um, the 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 next time we play a top six side, like you say, Liverpool in December. Realistically, we want to be four or five points outside of the bottom three by the time that Liverpool match comes around. So we're gonna to have to start picking up results um, from Brighton onwards. But man, you away. I mean. Don't get me wrong, they're not brilliant at the moment. They've got a lot of their own strife. But Man U, without, I think, without a manager at the minute and with the players they've got, they could probably still beat us at World Trafford, I'd imagine. So, yeah, not not much hope from me, mate. But I, I, um, what, what you were saying prior to that, I'm, I'm on board with. And, and let's just see, we'll be, we'll be breaking in a couple of weeks' time and, and you know, things are things are starting to look better and the clouds are, are starting to lift slightly. De- but, um, yeah, definitely, and and I, I, I'm a little bit different. You might hope for Manchester United is we just create some chances. Like I'd rather see the performance that was sort Man United last season and get beat four one than when the performance was sort Man City this season. I'd, I'd rather because we, we had lots of chances at Man United last season um, and could have could have gone could have gone tuned up and had some chances and some poor goalkeeping and defending kind of cost us. Whereas Man United did kind of play very well in the second half, but we walked away from that ground. And we were like, well, that you know, it's not nice getting beat four one. The away end was really loud, and, and kind of everyone appreciated the performance because we were like, well, if we can create that many chances against a team like this, then we're okay. The big, big, big worry now is that we're just. It's like it's not like last season where Dwight Gale used to miss a lot of chances. This season we don't even create them to be missed. So I want to see as good at Man United and I know it's Man United away and I know what will probably happen but if we could just have a bit of a go at them and I'm not talking about opening up and playing expansive football but play Muto and because you know you know whoever you know I think Man United played uh, did they play uh, McTominay at centre back yesterday and Chris Smallin if they play Hosselu between them they're going to be like this will be fine this will be this will be fine what are you going to do 
Um, if they play Muto, they're going to be like, well, who's this? They're going to be, how do, you know, like, who's going to follow the run? If Shelby plays a ball with the outside of his foot between the centre-back and the full-back, who follows? If it goes through the middle, who follows? Who, who drops and supports Perez? Give them some questions to answer. Um, rather than just playing long balls to Hosselu, which he fails to win. And, and Hosselu, well, I think Hosselu played with Dwight Gale last season. He had a reasonable game, but, you know, it, it, it's not working at the minute. It's just simply not working. Um, so I'd, I'd like to see us at least try something different. Whether it happens or not, I don't know. I know everyone will be supporting the team regardless. Absolutely, mate. Um, I'm sure you'll have a brilliant day, whatever happens. And you know what? You know what, mate? I mean, I'm, I'm laughing at myself for saying this. Uh, who knows? Uh. Who knows? Um, we'll, we'll, we'll leave it at there. We've managed to get 48 minutes out on um, on utterly miserable performance. So, you know, kudos, kudos to you, mate. Plenty of good chatting there. Um, and I, um, thanks to everyone who's listened to this. And um, we will be back, I guess. Well, Alex, do you want to give some patron pattern, mate? What we got lined up on patron? Absolutely loads. Um, but, you know, I'm going to leave you with a, a quick clip from uh, Mick Lowe's. He's got a live event coming up. So with Kevin Nolan, that sounds great. I think we're going to try and get ourselves along to that. That should be a really good night. And if you like the podcast and you like what we do, you know, it's £1.25 a week. Um, even if you don't listen to the extra shows, it still keeps this show going. And uh, there's, there's a lot of extra shows. This week, there'll be a, a podcast on Kevin Keegan's Talk at the Sage. Um which you can hear. There's also a Man United full in-depth preview, as well as a very popular show we do called True Faith. Any questions where we literally answer any questions sent to us. It's always a, a good laugh. Unlike Newcastle United at the minute, but you know, like you say, Norman, one goal, one result, one draw, one win, and, uh, and everything can change. Exactly. One vision, one dream, one, you know, one goal. There you go. Um, thanks for listening, everyone, and we will be back with you soon. Uh, let's talk about... Um... Kevin Nolan's return to St James's Park will take place on Friday the 19th uh, of October uh, and it promises to be a fantastic evening. Um, he's a great guy, uh, he gave great service to this football club, albeit over a fairly short period of time, but I think at a time where you needed leaders, a time where you needed people to, to roll their sleeves up and fight for the cause and work for the cause um, and lead a football club as he subsequently did, of course, uh, then Kevin Nolan just about was as good as there's been uh, in black and white in recent years. He loves the city, he loves the area, um, he needs to feel the love by a separate set of magpies. He's been very harshly treated in the last couple of weeks or so. And a little bit like Rafa when, when Rafa was shown the door by Real Madrid and, and found uh, a bit of inner peace and, and a bit of inner love um, on Tyneside, I think it's time for Kevin Nolan to, to feel that same warmth uh, tickets are £15. Um, there's a booking fee if you, uh, if you book online. Uh, but it promises to be a great evening. He has some fantastic stories. Um, I'd be very surprised if Andy Carroll is in the audience that night. Uh, but if you can get yourself along, uh, I'm sure Kevin Nolan would appreciate it. Um, and I certainly would. I think it'll be a great, great night. Um, nine bar, uh, Friday the 19th of October. <laughs>